Hi everyone, EJ here. Today we have an episode with the Jordan, Jordan Lewis, and he is the original designer of the Fjords map. So this is linked with the current arena season. Uh, the previous arena season on base map finished quite recently. Nerdcube won again. Congratulations to him on another excellent season. And now we're on to fjords with landscapes. So this is a bit of a story about how the fjords map came to be, um, how Jordan designed it and how it was developed along with uh, him and helpful members of the community. Uh, and a few quick tips for the map from his point of view as well. So quite an interesting one, I think. Super Chani could unfortunately not join because he was poorly, but he helped uh, compile some of the questions as he's a big Fjords fan. You got any favored factions? Uh, oh, I've been playing a lot of Nomads recently, which was meant, which I was mentioned in that thread that you were talking about because I think they they started to get played less, but then you know it all like everything has trends and factions come and go and stuff you know i think they're a faction that generally gets harder to play as you get more and more skilled because you really need to look for those opportunities for points mm. uh, and particularly when uh, like uh i always played with the expansion factions um and that's not even on bga still as far as i remember um but they certainly make it tough because the yetis are even more in insane economically than nomads so it's just mm. tough for them to compete. But they, they, they're definitely playable. They're flexible. They, they can be a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I sort of started playing, yeah, like start of the pandemic, right? Like um, joined Board Game Arena and discovered it. And then I think I think Ghostly is the same and maybe Super have been playing a bit before. Um, but yeah, we play, we play BGA. Ghostly and I both do... TM Tour and Far and Ice Ladder. Super doesn't oh, play. Oh, awesome! So um, my claim to fame of at one point reaching uh, Division One in TM Tour, and then I immediately went back down. Ah, uh, I didn't actually know you'd done. Is it? What's your username on TM on Snowman? Um, is it the Jordan? I think it's just the Jordan, or maybe it's like the Jordan something. I don't actually remember. Um, Let's try and find you on the marathon. Oh, Jord. Oh, no, that's I'm, not right. I, I, I've dropped a little bit from where I was as far as I remember. But I'm probably still in, like, top 200, unless there's been a lot of new players. Yeah, there's a Jordan way down if I control F, but that can't be you. Uh, no, it's the Jordan. I'm at, yeah, I'm at, wow, 210. What happened? I guess there's a lot of good players now. Uh... Wait, no, I've got you at 71. Wait, on the on the TM Tour Marathon table? Oh, right, right, right. Okay, I was looking at, like, player ratings. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, on Snowman. Yeah, no, on the Marathon table. I made table, a couple of points in Division 1. That'll keep me up there. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Four points. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I now? 273. Come on, EJ. Here we go. So you nice. made like division three or so or so division four yeah i had my first go at division three last season and yeah managed to stay up and not get demoted it's um, all very competitive from d4 on up yeah it's tough man like you notice it as soon as you get up there i've got um do you know you have you played with nerdcube i've got nerdcube in my division yeah yeah I, I played yeah a bit with him i know he's uh, like one of the best players around right now right yeah, he is very revered on the live scene. And then he didn't play Snellman for a long time, but he's just come back to play this season. Um, yeah, so we're together. Yeah, so I was into TM in like year two to year five. So like 2015 to like 2018. And I, I was getting the feeling that like the community was starting to get smaller, at least in terms of like TM tour numbers around that time. But I, I feel like with the pandemic and with it be all, all being on BGA, there's been kind of a new generation that you're part of. And uh, Rainier with, uh, you know, building up a pretty good audience um, of people watching him playing. And it's like, this is exciting that more people are playing again. It's got a renaissance going on. 
yeah i think i think that's exactly right it's it's really fun like yeah there's a good group and it's cool uh like we had this year like zavok came back and started playing oh, again and so cool. you've got yeah like people returning um and then there's the whole have you watched much of the fire to open stuff at all no i actually don't even know what that is oh okay so um that is the tournament that chris bizzle runs um which i think that was like a new level so he started it mid 2020 and broadcast it live and he's got like a fancy overlay so everything on bga kind of comes up nicely and he gets commentators to um cast it live and it i think it's it gets like a good number of twitch viewers and everyone loves it and i think that's been really instrumental in sort of making it more of a thing um and then this year they did a he did a tournament with called the international clash where you had teams so there's like team usa which raniel was in with lumen and Nerdcube, and they would all be on a voice chat and like cooperate to control the player uh, so i'm uh i i I'll oscillate between different board gaming obsessions or gaming obsessions and the latest one's been competitive pokemon which is like a surprisingly deep and nuanced game and uh there's been like this team tour that's been going on for people in that competitive scene and i just realized that like most of the time i'd rather play solo like to have like the responsibility uh be all on my shoulders Mm. and if i lose i lose and not to not be like letting anyone down by making a bad play sure playing on a team seems just generally tough unless like you are actually fulfilling different roles yeah, I, I, it, it was really interesting, and like the sort of how you how you cooperate in a team in that thing. Yeah, where you're like you're basically controlling one faction is like a very interesting thing. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, cool. That, that, thanks for coming and talking about this. Uh, yeah, are you aware that Fjords is the current map on the arena season on Board Game Arena? Nope, I don't even know how arena seasons work. So is it like for a month, everyone plays on that and there's like a ranking for that month? Or how does it work? Exactly, yeah. It's it's two or three months. Is it three months? Or is it it's sort of, uh, maybe it's 80 days or something. About three months, everyone plays, yeah, on one map on, on Board Game Arena. You can, you can play on the other maps, but if you go on arena mode, which is like the ranked, yeah, competitive thing on like same as playing a... A video game or whatever well great what's the meta like i guess maybe like there isn't uh, um uh, a like meta factions because it's auctions now so like any any faction can be thrown in there exactly yeah so you, you kind of we're still early in the season so kind of like people are still sussing out what the best factions are but exactly it's auction so you you can get any faction you, it's not always the best that get thrown in and it's also got the landscapes eternal. Oh, I never played with those. Yeah. <laughs> Which obviously makes well, yeah, it does make a big a fairly big difference. Like Fakirs are extremely different with their landscape and stuff yeah. like that. So. Fjords was never balanced with landscapes in mind, so that could certainly affect things. So much of the work was like how to make Fakirs pretty decent. And like this was before VP balancing, before auctioning, like they had to stand on an even playing field, despite the fact that they just like had unique disadvantages relative to every other faction. Mm. So like it was really based on like giving them carpet paths that like were really easy to get around. Um, And so we made them mediocre and that was really good. But like if the landscapes helped them out further, they could actually become a menace. Yeah, they in truth, I'm not very good at fjords and I'm not very good at landscapes either. So I'm not I don't fully get the the sort of tears but yeah for kids are strong like they're really strong which is good it's great like it's, yeah and this is i think they're um, fun to play yeah exactly they are fun and yeah it's good that you can have fun with them and they can still actually and actually be strong for once yeah which is nice and um so super charney who is he's ill and he's not joining us today unfortunately but he loves for kids and um sort of as a result and also not just because he loves for kids he genuinely just really likes the fjords map 
So he wrote some of the questions and he's put them in a document which is called, in capitals, I love fjords. So he is a big fan of the map. Yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, we wanted to talk about, yeah, kind of the process of coming up with the map and designing it. And so I watched when you played with, with Ranul and I think Lumin on his Twitch stream, right? Um, yes. And I, if I recall anything from that is that I didn't have an audio setup and you couldn't actually hear me. So whatever. Whoops. <laughs> um, but now I have an audio setup. So <laughs> cool. Okay. So yeah, I, I would probably link to that and you mentioned it, but I, I think, yeah, with it being the arena season, we were keen to sort of talk about it here and, and get some idea of what went behind it. Um, I guess the first question is like, what was the chronology? So it was, for example, it was after Lakes had come out or was Lakes being sort of co-developed? Right. Yeah. So let's, let's paint a picture of Terra Mystica in 2017. It wasn't on Board Game Arena yet. It was all on uh, terra.snellman.net. It was a pretty thriving scene. You know, TM Tour had a thousand plus people. I'm not sure where it's at now, Um, but and mainly people interacted outside of like in game they interacted on uh board game geek forums and i don't know how mm. active they are now um but the idea was always like let's come up with new stuff and to the extent um juho is willing to add it to his site then we can test it and uh he said he was okay with testing a new map so yeah so we it was between me and loon um we both submitted a map and his his map won out the original time but his map like was very much a concept around these lakes and uh, just like a different way of how, how you interacted with the water than in the original maps. But it was very much an unfinished map. It was more of an idea that got people excited. And a lot of the development was happening on the message boards. You know, it was designed by committee. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, I don't know what the perception of Loon Lakes is right now, but my but perception is that like it's not one of the better maps, that it was it struggled a little bit by like too many people contributing at once. So what I wanted to do once development of that wound down um, is, to, is to like really give the development of the next one a head start. So I just did a ton of playtesting on my own to try to get it to a pretty good point. And so that when I when I submitted it, it was basically V1 was tested as is with like a couple of hex changes. Um, but that was really it, it was just compared to how we had done it the first time, which was just like random people submitting opinions and no one really wanting to disagree with one another. So like a lot of things went through. And then I think like cultists are just like really, really tough to beat uh, on yeah. like the moment. Um, so, yeah, so my goals were definitely to try to give the underappreciated factions some love to try to make them compete on a level playing field Fakirs, um, giants, uh, dwarves. And to so and so. Like how you do that is you have thicker land masses that like digging factions can take advantage of. Mm. Um, like how to make fakirs better relative to nomads means you need to have good like carpet pads, but like make it difficult. F- like uh, you need to be able to jump across islands because nomads aren't very good at jumping across islands. Like they can't use their sandstorm across islands, but fakirs can. Like mm. um, you make black very shipping friendly because alchemists can take advantage of that, which are typically the weaker faction and darklings can't quite as much. So it's like a try to balancing out the two factions before we had auctions and all of that. So I think we generally succeeded. I think uh, with the changes, we made a couple of changes on the line that now giants are pretty bad, unfortunately. But Fakir succeeded and dwarves are very playable. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, yeah, so like you said, that was kind of going in. That's what you wanted to achieve. And yeah, it's cool that, yeah, you, you sort of worked on it on your own to get it to that state. That's interesting. Was it always like that was your idea? And then was it always in your mind that it was going to be sort of two big land masses? Like was these, the layout of the land quite early set in your mind then? Yeah, um, let me show you the very V001. Um, and you'll see like the first idea. It's basically the same. It's just uh, where. Why is it not available anymore? That's sad. That's so sad. It's no. The page is no longer available. Um, but, but yeah, I'm I'm very like geometrically oriented. My original um, map that I uh, proposed and then Loon Lakes one. It was all about triangles, and this one was like all about like two big. 
land masses. I, I like the feel of the original map. It's always been my favorite map, and I wanted to have more digging and more like competitive fighting and less like the stringy nature of the like the fire and ice map. It's it's really fun and it's different, but sometimes it feels less interactive because there's just not as much land to share, and it sometimes feels very cutthroat. Um, but mm-hmm. like on fjords it's thick enough that you can always have a plan b and a plan c most of the time yeah and you get those you often get like one clump of factions starting in the west and one starting on the east mm-hmm. yeah triangular areas it because of the the sort of when i was reading yeah the thread a little bit it's really interesting that terra mystica is ostensibly about like terraforming other colors other like land masses to your color yeah but actually a lot of the time you don't want to do that you want to ship because you want to build on factions that are your own color because digging is so expensive so yeah and all the, like especially lakes for example is like such a shipping heavy map that you don't end up doing that much digging so it's cool to have was that something in your mind as well that you wanted to like reward digging and and terraforming stuff? Well, I wonder if the balance is significantly different th- from other maps. I definitely uh, knowing that it was like in general the the territory was thicker um, means that you uh, you needed to make sure to find your connection because like the 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 contested territory in the middle is going to be gone and it's going to be very difficult to not go your favored way. Um, later in the in the game so like there's definitely that balance of of wanting to get everywhere just so that you can never be blocked off and so that you can compete on the final scoring um does uh bga have extra final scoring or does it not it it does as of a few months ago yeah just that's excellent so i think that was a really good addition I, i i think a lot of what they did with the expansion the fire and ice expansion um was to reward the factions that were struggling and reward you for building more which is how people like to play but you don't always get the points for and so it um this was definitely built with that uh like fjords is definitely made with the extra final scoring in mind that uh trying to navigate these big unwieldy masses um, and to try to get around everywhere you wanted to get to so you can compete on all of those final scoring points. That was definitely a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the initial idea before you show it to anyone, how long are you working on that? Is that like a long time you're thinking of it or do you just kind of like how much? Yeah. Are you Have you got the... Firstly, how long to get the shape of the land masses and then actually placing the individual color hexes. How long does that take when you're just working on it on your own? I think I just, because I was obsessed with Terra Mystica because it's such a wonderful game, I just did it casually, like just had ideas and tried them. And this this was like maybe my sixth or so different different idea. And I went into TMAI um, and imported the my new map and just tried, played against the computer, played some games where I took all the seats uh, and just played and did it feel right. And this one, this one felt really good from the beginning in a way that the the others hadn't, you know, there wasn't, um, there's always going to be imbalance. And so there was tweaks made, uh, but it always felt like you could have a game plan. You could have a plan B, you can have a plan C and you were never really stuck having to build in one place. You know, the original map is amazing and it, it and, uh, the, the, but the one challenge it has is that there's really two spots the gray ever starts. There's basically mm. two spots the green ever starts. There's three spots, pick two for, for black. And so uh, I wanted to just have as many pretty good spots to, to start out and to play your game, but not any one spot that's too dominant. That was really what I was going for. And that, that this map just felt better than the other ones I had tried, where there were always a couple of different options. Yeah, I think it achieves that, definitely. Um, yeah. And it's interesting playing against AI. Is that, can you tell anything from how the AI performs? Like, like if the AI, like I guess in a way, if an AI finds a map easier to play, does that suggest it's kind of more 
it flows better as a map like it sort of encourages intuitive play maybe that an ai can do i don't know <laughs> maybe i mean the the ai um no disrespect to load in his in his website the ai was always not very human like it would it, it was good at digging and so it was good at playing nomads and darklings but it was not good at really anything else like it was not mm. good at like securing early compete contested areas you know so it, it, it didn't really think along those lines um so it was always about like um, treating the uh, the adversaries as just like impediments that would generally you could expect them to do certain things but really about like if I'm playing like mainly looking at it from my perspective do I have options which areas are getting cut off uh, do I feel like I have like the right amount of competitiveness from different positions yeah definitely the more instructive play tests were when I sat down and played all four spots or with uh, a couple of my friends in IRL you know in real life played a couple of play tests those were the, the most instructive uh, I just wanted to get to just like I wanted to play through a couple of games with each faction before I put it out to the forums to make sure that you know it was in decent shape yeah and the and so the in in real life play testing is that you've just like colored in hexagons or, or printed them out and yeah, made printed a out pieces of, of paper and including yeah. water tiles and just put them over the original board nice nice that's cool as well yeah so you didn't design it with landscapes in mind but you did design it with the extra scoring and i guess the fire and ice factions as well were like part of the development yeah and it's it's really it's hard to balance for them um yeah, I mean, you. Uh, I'd say river river walkers generally do struggle. They're one of the only factions that I'd say like it's it's pretty rare that it's a good idea to take them. But like mm. in really specific setups, they can do okay. Because um, just like y you need the you need a ton of shipping routes, and this isn't that. You know, fire and ice. Fundamentally, the original map is bad for river walkers just due to the, like the shape of it. But the fire and ice map is good for them because there's so many different ways you can use the water. Um, but so that is one inconsistency, but because like, uh, the, the volcanoes factions basically ignore color, uh, and they, they just do whatever they want, then you didn't really have to balance with them in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so because you wanted all the factions to compete on a level playing field, because we didn't have auctions back then, a lot of like the balancing was trying to make green and gray better. Cause I think the factions by themselves kind of struggle. Um, they, they struggle to, to dig fast enough. And so you need the board to be really friendly to them. You see like the only like one, like green has one more tile than some, most of the other colors. And it's got two, like free one chip away spots on it um, that like no other faction gets those things. So it was to really help them out. But the concern was if you make green and gray too good, then green and gray yetis become too good. Uh, but so it had to be kind of a careful balance. Um, <laughs> it's so, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it just sounds very difficult, especially this is the whole, I think most people listening to this will just be thinking, yeah, but the auction sorts it out. But you're to reiterate, you're doing this pre-auction where you you genuinely have to try and properly balance every faction. Yeah, and, and <laughs> the, the 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 community was very curmudgeonly and resistant to change uh, back then. It was like we didn't want the VP adjustments because we knew that like. Um, certain factions are really good at the highest levels but aren't good at medium levels so how could you come up with vp adjustments that like um make that balance mm. all that out and so yeah we just we just wanted to make every faction like without any kind of adjustments just playable enough uh now i'd i'd, I'd say that the difference between this and the other community developed map was that i started it off at a pretty good point but there was still a ton of input from people who were active on the forums Definitely made this map better with two revisions. Um, the first version, I really thought we were making Darklings pretty weak by putting all their spots in, in the corner, but they were still too strong, as they just tend to be. So I just took uh, one of their central maps, central hexes, and just shoved it into the corner. And I just and it finally made uh, green strong. And I think witches are very strong at this point uh, because we just both of the revisions were targeted at making them better. Um, but the the community saw it. You know, the, as soon as playtesting hit Snellman on day three, I started to realize that oh, Darklings are like really pretty strong, and uh, they're starting to follow a familiar game plan that's like really hard <laughs> to stop. Which is just the the nature of Darklings is that they kind of get to they're incredibly flexible, and it's really yeah. hard to stop them from doing what they want to do. 
Um, so yeah, so a lot of the playtesting was people realizing that certain factions were just had so much more room for error, and some factions were just really hard. And just how do we help them out? Um, so so V two was to re- uh, was to really nerf the darklings and to help out witches. And then V two point one, the only other change we made was just one tiny swap that made a huge difference. This is just from a if you're interested in a game balancing perspective, which is really cool to see. Um, uh, are you looking at? Um, I'm going to send you this link. I don't know if you have a visual component to this. I've got um, on the forums. So on the forums, you've got your. The thread is called the Fjords Map is Finalized, but I guess yep. it was originally like the Fjords Development thread, yeah. right? On BGB. And so, yeah, look, look at V2.1. Um, maybe. Is, so, is this a pure audio medium or is there going to be like a picture of the map available? <laughs> uh i can link to stuff so yeah people listening will hopefully be able to click on links that in the show notes and yeah um yeah have a look at what they look like yeah well i'm gonna be i'm gonna assume they're all familiar with all the factions and what they do um but i won't assume they're familiar with like tiles um but the the only difference we made in the version that you you see that's finalized right now was uh witches had a ton of great territory they had a lot of ways um to to dig and and expand easily but getting from the one side of the map to the other was very tricky and even with um with their ability to you know carpet not carpet flight um witches ride to certain hexes um they still had to like really prioritize trying to connect early or they just wouldn't be able to and that was like that was what made them an all-in-all average faction, is that when they connected, they were very strong, and when they didn't connect it, they were weak, and so it just averaged out. But that's not really what you want, right? You don't want a, mm. a faction quite as extreme. So all we did is we put on I6, just down down in the bottom, used to be a gray tile, and we made it green. So now the witches didn't need to get three shipping and then oh, dig it yeah. once before they could drop a a dwelling there with the witch's ride. And so now you can just settle in like the, the, the common areas on the, the east and west side and just drop your dwelling in I-6 and you know you're going to be able to connect if you get shipping by the end of the game. And so it just made them a lot more flexible. And now I'd say they're one of the best factions. And that's it was just a one color, one hex change. And that's all <laughs> they needed to go from like really struggling to be consistent to consistently very good. And and is that someone suggested that change like after playtesting and just said like, hey, why don't we make this green? Or did you come up with that? Or how does that? I proposed it because, well, witches were still a little low. And uh, it was like the interest in like, revising it and because as soon as you revise it you need to start playtesting and games take a month or two when you're playing by email um and so getting a significant body of playtests just just takes months and so like interest in doing that all over again was waning so it was just like should we do another change or should we just finalize it as is and like the only thing that the community didn't like was that green was a little weak uh, and I just said, here's just a one hex change. We'll call it 2.1. And if we like it within just a few games, then we'll just call it there. And it turned out to just be a bigger a bigger change in balance than we expected. But uh, I think it was for the best. Because I just like playing the Witches, to be honest. And to have them not be an all-or-nothing faction based on whether you can connect in time to be more consistent is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so yeah, I'm just sort of looking now uh, at the thread. So you you did sort of mention it, but to to go back, so mm-hmm. the process was you came up with what you call the version 0.1, right? And you yeah. kind of show that to everyone. I'm just trying to load the map up now. Um, Unfortunately, doesn't. Uh... Wait, does does it still load? Maybe I'm, it just doesn't. Load it does load zero point one for me, but now I'm trying to I'm trying to compare it to the the actual proper current one. I'm trying to find a fjords map on my playlist. Um, so you've got the zero point one, which is the shape is basically the same when I flick between them, right? It's like mm-hmm. the land masses are there. That you've there's some changes to the the land around the edges, um, but the the color distribution of the hexes is kind of more different. Yeah, and... I'd say that that the west side is virtually unchanged since the start, and then the east side 
Um, this was that that D4 black hex. It just made it too easy for Darklings to do whatever they want. Um, the D4, G8, G5, Darklings just had a path to, to, to success and to, to just consistently doing pretty well, and that's all they needed because Darklings just get 20 points for free with digging all the time. So, like, if, if they're... If they're able to compete in other ways with other factions, then they're just going to win. And so I, I took that. The main things that changed since this early state is taking that black central hex and just shoving it into the corner. Um, yellow used to have two these two uh, E7, G7 that I think made Nomads a little strong. And so one, uh, one of those yellows got shoved further away. It moved further away. And that is, like you said, that's a sort of like a period of months of playtesting to get from because you've gone from point one to point two to point three to v1 so how much playtesting is involved in that in that oh, side of so, it so uh v1 was what i v 0.1 or not point one in the european parlance um was <laughs> uh what was what i originally proposed and then v 0.2 0.3 those were just me changing it based on people's early feedback v1 was what we decided uh. to play test for the first time and then we got 750 games in over six months or four months or whatever and then we decided to take another crack at it for v2 uh, and then we were basically happy with it but just try to one hex change for v2.1 sure okay yeah and they can see that 750 games so v1 is let me load up v1 uh, oh, V1, right, V1 doesn't load. V2? Juho kept it up for a long time, but I guess he doesn't keep it, keep that page up anymore. Yeah, sure. Um, right, and yeah, so it is just, from that playtesting, it's just, yes, like you said, slight nudging of, of, um, of hexes around. So broadly, it's like very similar to what you initially came up with, which is cool. Well, uh, witches and green used to have to compete a little bit more from the edges and to like be on the outside looking in, but giving them that D5 spot and giving them that like only one dig to get three hexes on the east side um, is really helped them out and just be more consistent because they're just they're not a faction with any gifts regarding digging. And so, and they're not a faction with like a ton of power to start. And so they're a little slower to get going. And if you don't give them some early wins, then they just like, they can't compete economically a lot of the time. So uh, the board usually needs to help them out. And you'll probably notice similar things on the other boards is that just like green gets unique little gifts that other factions don't. And also like engineers want a lot of like shipping friendly areas because they want to be able to build bridges and like dwarves can only jump a maximum of one space. So they need a little, they need help. And so that's what the maps always try to do. And so I did some of that. I mean, you see like all of like the, the, like the key hexes like right in the center are like green and gray and red um but it just wasn't quite easy enough for dwarves to jump across reliably enough um so mm. it was just little little things to just try to keep helping them out and make them viable on their own that was really all that we had to do and how much of it is coming from player feedback and how much is like stats of the results you always had to take stats with a grain of salt because as like really good players you'd always be like well uh it's just because the uh, the bad players or the inexperienced players are just playing them wrong and that's why they're not doing well like al alchemists and engineers generally always did poorly in a stat that like was averaged across all games because a lot of like the bottom half of players by experience just are not good with those factions so you had mm. to um and and juho never gave us like top player specific stats so we always had to take the stats with a grain of salt but over 500 games you could start to see what the more reliable more consistent factions were and then he also gave us like a heat map of like what factions used which tiles more often and i what i wanted to avoid was just any one faction having too dominant a strategy it's like I guess it's okay if no faction is too much better than the others, but I just wanted to have every faction have a couple of different ways to play it. And so uh, the Darklings not only were the top faction, but they were the top faction and they were playing mostly the same way every time. So that was the kind of thing that I wanted to change, is that like they were always taking D4, G8, G5, and then just hanging out there and winning. So Yeah, the, the, predictili the, the predictability <laughs> is an interesting one because that's something that... like. Um, 
I know Nerdcube has talked about it, that he kind of doesn't like lakes because it's too unpredictable in how factions play, especially with regard to starting locations, is people can kind of do anything. And then for high level play, that kind of makes it become a bit more of a lottery. So getting that balance of, yeah, not just having a rigid strategy of every, of, yeah, like engineers on base map, you do this, you'd put your dwellings there, you'd make these two towns, you're done. Uh, but having kind of, yeah, like a predictable feel for how a game is going to progress is like a really tricky thing to do. Yeah, I think uh, I haven't I haven't thought about it that way. But yeah, the, the two main masses make it so you're never going to be stuck by yourself. I mean, maybe you end up starting the game without neighbors, but there's normally someone a hex or two away that mm, you can go yeah. meet, meet up with. Balloon Lakes, like if someone just like they pick this juncture rather than that juncture, you might never meet each other because you just can't bother to get over there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so on the sorry, back on the play testing, was it just available for everyone to play on Snellman? even yep. before it had been like officially released, right? And it, it was in the Fire and Ice ladder, is that right? That uh, Fruity Harris put it in the ladder? While yeah, it was no, he was a, an early fan of it. He was a, an active playtester. Roughly a dozen people did most of this work, and, and including them were Rainier, uh, a really uh, active playtester. James, I don't know if you know him. He was used to be really, really active. And then Steve, uh, I don't know if these people... These, we're all old timers at this point playing yeah, who were active a so, few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we're sort of aware of, of Steve and James Wolfpacker. Um, yeah, because they do just like the big analyses. Um, yes, like th that, exactly. yeah. Those kind of people make the community and the people who did the playtesting, the people who contributed ideas, who did write-ups, who did the little scripts that like analyze factions, like those are what make Terra Mystica its, its community. It's a community of like math nerds and people who like to analyze things. Um, mm. and I hope it, I hope it never loses that flavor. Even if, even if 10 times as many people get into it via BGA, that would be great. But I want people to still analyze openings and look at VP adjustments and like those kinds of things yeah. is what always made it a nice community to me. That's what BGA, you struggle a bit with the data analysis side. That's why Snowman is so good for, yeah. It's still like, <laughs> it's clearly better BGA on some ways, but but in other ways, I just wish you had a planning tool and I, I wish you had some yep. other things. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and so then when it actually kind of the day comes where it's live, I guess it's not much of a change. Like it was already live, but you've just kind of said this is the final version 2.1 yeah. and this is what we're going with now. Really, the only change that happened is when we finalized it, games on Fjords were counting towards your rating on Snellman. That was really the only change. Um, they used to be unrated. Oh, uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, you pointed out the fire and ice ladder. Those were my best example of like high level competitive play tests. So every day I used to look up at the, the games in progress and just see what people are doing, who is succeeding. Um, and mm. I was generally happy that like people were experimenting, uh, but the, a lot of factions were succeeding. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the kind of the rough, rough timeline between like you you coming up with the idea for it and then it you sort of like first putting a version that people could play on snailman and then getting to that 2.1 is is that are we talking months or years or like how how much time is that so most of it occurred in one year uh as in over like a little bit in 2017, in a couple months, we, we made V1 and then we put it up there. And then we just waited six months for games to filter in. And then mm -hmm. we decided to do V2. Then we waited another four to six months. And then we were basically done. But then like interest in like revisiting it was, was waning at that point. So we decided to do 2.1 and then I like retired. <laughs> and so like it was, it was finalized, but it wasn't officially finalized until like another year later. We're like, okay, yeah, let's, let's say we're not going to change this again because also we were, uh, I was approached about putting it in the new, you know, in print, uh, mm. Mystica, um, and so they're like, we need an official version. I'm like, okay, it's finalized now. You can put it in the expansion, which was really exciting. I'm, I'm happy that people are getting to play it on their tabletops. 
Yeah, which that was going to be my, yeah. So my next question, what, yeah, is like, how does that come about? Did you get contacted by the designers or, yeah, yeah what happened um, there? By, uh, yeah, um, it was, well, it was the the, the, the publisher, uh, Frank and uh, Fjordland uh, Spiel. Um, they, yeah, they reached out to me and they were like, they were doing a uh, an expansion that was going to include this. And they said, you know, it's a small expansion, we can't really pay you. Um, and I said, fine, you know, don't pay me, have it. One condition though, I wanna meet up with you at the, ne- at the next opportunity and show you my new game. That was the only thing I asked for. Um, yeah, okay. And like, and there, the, the, I, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, full-time work that's not making board games. So I, I don't need to take a little piece of a small creative endeavor. I really just wanted you know, a chance to get feedback from another from people who really understand publishing games that are like meaty and complex, but also popular. Um, so I showed him my game, I got good feedback on it. And, uh, you know, it was good. It was just good to meet people who made one of the greatest games I ever played. Yeah, sure. And are they kind of like, were they aware that it was that you'd been developing it or had they like how did they know that there was this new map were they i guess they were looking for new maps and they because they also i I guess for those that don't know is that the merchant of the seas expansion comes with the lakes map on one side of the board and the fjords map on the other side right um so yeah were they just on the lookout for maps that they could include in their expansion and and were aware that you guys were doing this in the background i don't know how they became aware of it but i imagine they wanted to avoid the lengthy process of balancing a map that is just one (laughs) thing there's no way to auto generate a map people have come up with like proposals about how we can make more modular maps and i think the newest TM Innovations is trying to do that. I think they kind of succeeded by making the factions not as unique in that you like kind of build your own faction. I don't know if you've been involved in that or not. I don't know if the game's... No, out. no, no, I don't. Okay, yeah. but anyway, yeah, it, it's they're, they're making a revamped Terra Mystica that is um, less asymmetrical and therefore makes it like, you know, it, there's more variety if you can change up the map, if you can generate new maps. But like as it is right now, Terra Mystic is a very carefully balanced game where you really need to make a map that un- that understands what all of each faction's unique gifts are. And the asymmetry is what I gravitate towards and why like in all of my favorite games, there's playing as the engineers is a uniquely is a unique gaming experience that's different from playing as cultists, that's different than playing as witches. And it just makes the game way more uh, replayable for me. Um mm. Yeah, so agreed. So they wanted to just not have to make a, a new map. So I imagine they looked at the online community and what they were making and wanted to use that. Uh, yeah, on the balance, I'm just looking at some of the stuff Super wrote down. Because uh, so now I don't know if you're you're probably not aware of this, but Bullet Terra Mystica is becoming a thing, right? What is <laughs> so that? people play. You play with a five. Basically, you aim for like a sub five minute total play time. On oh. clock that might be my favorite <laughs> format because i'm not like as good anymore the, the competition has kept streaming rolling ahead but i do like i played enough that i can think pretty quickly like automatically come up with a yeah. decent plan so maybe that maybe that'll be my my return i'll, I'll play speed Terra mystica give it a go sometime it's it's a lot of fun and it's mad um but yeah so uh super and i've been playing a fair bit of these bullet games and super's been streaming some but he he pointed out that the only the only map that he often plays random factions because that's an option on bga is everyone just gets given a random faction uh is on fjords because of the balance like how well balanced it is wow that's like the only one that he'll do that um which is yeah which is why he sort of really likes it um but yeah, back to sort of getting it printed. I guess that was like, do you own the Merchant of the Seas thing? I guess it was pretty cool nope. to see it come to life. You don't, okay? My, my, my name's on the rule book, I think, as like a co-designer or something. Yes, it is. I have, so I have played the real life. I've only played Merchant of the Seas in real life. I've not played normal term. Um, That's fine. You are We're not there. in this for the money. But you've and, seen, you've seen what it looks like. I presume you've like looked at yep. the pictures of it. Do you, do you like? Did you have um, 
did you have like a particular did it does it like look like what you imagined it would look like because it, it is surprising kind of after a year of looking at it with the snowman.net visuals of just like the colored hexes seeing it in the real uh detailed uh you know board it, yeah it was really nice the first time seeing it to see something that existed on the internet only became something that existed in real life was pretty cool cuz i think they've kind of gone for like it's like it's a sort of leafy because fjords for me makes me think of like Norway and Scandinavia, and I feel like they've kind of gone for a leafy because the fire and ice you've got like the fire end and the, the like the lava end and the ice, but the fjords just kind of looks like quite a chill, um, yeah, like a nice sort of area. <laughs> what does lakes looks like look like? Uh... I didn't I didn't actually pick up that they had kind of a subtle visual distinction on the different maps. I do remember like the fire and ice, like at the top and bottom of the fire and ice map, but I forgot about anything else. Yeah, I think it, it I don't know, it, it's is interesting to see how they appear in real life. But yeah, I mean, it looks it's cool. It's 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 a thing. It looks great. Um, Did you know that I snuck my name into the, the name of the map? Oh, <laughs> it's a pure, purely narcissistic little of thing. Of course, man. that's clever, man. I <laughs> I wonder how many people were aware of that. Yeah. Well, Jordan. luckily they are actual fjords. fjords. They are like tall masses with like narrow gaps between them. Exactly. It's like it's it's perfect yeah it's like yeah i would never have never noticed because <clears throat> loon lakes is loon lakes because a guy with the username loon made it is that yep. right I, I wasn't aware of that but that's <laughs> that's less subtle fjords is genius that's great love it thanks um cool so that's i guess yeah that's the story of fjords um you sort of mentioned that you were like retiring or retired around the time it came out. Did you like have any desire to make more maps or like, did, did you have other ideas for maps that you've got in the background that you're thinking of or anything like that? I mean, I've got a dozen ideas sitting on my computer somewhere, but ultimately a map is more so more than just something you make in MS Paint. It's something that the community tests over a long period of time. And to just you, I would just need to be inspired to do something like that. And the people actively in the scene like you, you should be the ones doing that. Mm. Um, and, and would you recommend it? Like, is it a thing that you would you would say is is a good like? fun thing to do or was it just hard work <laughs> well, well it sounds like tons of people have gotten enjoyment from fjords as like it has extended the length of their enjoyment of terra mystica by getting another map so i'm so happy that like a lot of people have gotten joy from this and so it was absolutely worth it it was just for fun i like like i mm. i like to design games i like to design like what if the game was this but also had this um so it was it was never work for me it was just something i wanted to do yeah i guess that's that's worth saying i'm sure that especially i i hope that people were grateful at the time but now there has been this kind of new wave of of folks and me and super and everyone i think everyone really does enjoy playing on fjords and they would all be very grateful for yeah the hard work that you and the play testers and the people who yeah helped you with it put into like yeah making this thing because yeah it really it totally changes the game it's still the same game but playing on a different map is like you have to think about new things and relearn new things it, it really does add a lot to it for sure um, the next if if there was some community interest there was a proposal for a smaller, more two-player focused map um, on the forums that uh, Loon proposed that I actually think was really good. And like, uh, uh, and he had retired from the community by the time we were done with Fjord's development, so he wasn't there to say, let's work on another one. Uh, but there are maps out there, and then the, the Board Game Geek uh, forums would love to have new people if people um, have only ever... You're, 
heard about this podcast but didn't know that there were people on the message boards. That was Terra Mystica to me. It was, you know, a free website that that a guy made over the weekend and uh, a message boards that people contributed yeah. to. Yeah, the book. Yeah, the board games geek stuff is great. I love. I re- was it last summer? It's such a long time ago now. Like yeah, sort of last summer and through when I wasn't working, I loved just looking through all these old threads and then yeah seeing that like steve had got this python script that like scrap data scrape scrape data i was like oh god i love this game and i had no and i was sending my mates texts like look at what these people have done for this game it's so awesome so from the designer what are your sort of what are your key strategy tips for sort of I guess newer players who are playing fjords because some people I think will be playing it for the first time on this arena season. Are there any sort of key tips you would say like how to start games any 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 words of wisdom you can give? Oh man, uh how it's to tough do question, that precisely. Um but if I'm if I'm if I was speaking to someone who's played a, like a dozen games of Terra Mystica and then is jumping into fjords uh, what is different from this map versus others is that uh, mm. you might need to think about connection earlier. Um, you need to think about like how am I gonna get out of this area? Um, like it right in on turn one, it looks like you've got a lot of options, but you know these these main landmasses will get crowded quickly. Um, you don't want to be stuck inside. Like it, it's it's one thing if you're on if you, if you've reached the the water but it's like an inconvenient water and you need to find a shipping route it's another thing if you like are stuck on the inside of the landmass and can't get out um so yeah at least one of your hexes should be you know facing the water uh you should have a plan to expand out via the water if uh digging inland is not um looking good and sometimes some factions most notably like brown like the cultists are, are down with just having a ship, uh, a fact, a uh, a starting spot near the water, and they know that they're not necessarily going to be able to build a town there, but they just want to be part of where the action is. Just be near the other guys who are building up, and to plan to just build out from there. Um, like most maps, I'd say starting in the center, or at least one of your um, your dwellings should be in in the most hotly contested areas. That's just generally good advice. Um, you can definitely start one of your. Um, one of your dwellings on some of the corner areas. You just need to know, is someone going to join me here? Um, I'll be the first to place down and hopefully someone joins me. But if not, how do I get over to the main areas pretty quickly? Uh, so it's just a balance uh, between uh, you want to be where the action is and the and the contested areas will fill up quick quickly, but you want to make sure you can get out of the contested areas as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, that is good advice i think like i said i'm not an expert but yeah having that looking to where the action is and that kind of central diagonal fjord in between the two land masses is such a great like that kind of what's the word it's like a focus point and everybody is kind of looking to that and you mentioned earlier about how witches have got that i6 and then the two greens that they are looking to connect through and, and everyone's looking there for like what their connection hex is going to be and 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 yeah that is always such a like a really interesting fight kind of towards the mid to late game of a of a fjords map it's it's a great yeah central focus point of the map mm-hmm. um and what is your favorite faction to play on fjords chaos magicians mm-hmm and Fakirs, mm. one of those two. One of those two. Um, Red just can just go wherever it wants once it gets the three shipping. It has this extensive network of shipping facing tiles. They're not they're not quite as strong out of the gate, but if if you let them build up an economy, build some, get some uh, favors, then they become really strong in the second half. Those are just generally my favorite factions to play, and Chaos Magicians are exactly that type of faction where you don't you don't look very strong in the first half of the game you just have a couple of buildings but then you get to three shipping and then you're everywhere (laughs) in round five and and all of a sudden you're like i should have stopped them in round three and now i just can't because they're everywhere 
That is that's great because I think I think it was my second game on fjords. Maybe it it was my first, but I think it was my second. Was as chaos magicians, and I was playing against some of the team Europe guys, so some quite good guys. But yeah, I was chaos, and I was and I was on those red hexes, and there was a dwelling round, and I was and then I was just like, I was like, wait, if I get to three shipping next round, I was like, I can go there, I can go there. Oh my god! I can go there. I can go there, and just this like, like seeing the matrix. It all just fell into place, and you're just like spotting your dwellings around, and it's extremely satisfying. Just yeah, sending them out on their ships and building on all those hexes is great. <laughs> I really like the meta game aspect of of Terra Mystica. Like one of the things that makes it so much better as you get better and better the game just rewards you in new ways is that people need to adjust for the fact that uh certain factions do well if you don't keep them in check early like the Mm. chaos magicians and so as you get better people start to respect chaos magicians they don't look like they're ahead but you start pushing them around anyway because you know if you don't do this now you're not going (laughs) to be able to once they get up and running and so it's a it's a game that scales really well to different abilities um that it's all about like is this faction a threat are they becoming a threat and, and and just figuring that out is different with each map and just a really fun aspect of the game yeah agreed ah oh, terramistica man so good you gotta come back gotta come back and play i'll play, play another game on like <laughs> a stream or something as i so i'm I, I started a youtube and i'm trying to play and make content and eventually when i design a new game that'll be the place where i show that to the world um, oh cool okay so um what's your youtube channel the jordan plays the jordan plays okay i will, I will note it. that it yeah. is 99 percent competitive pokemon content at the moment but i'm gonna move to so i really love playing slate the spire as a really uh uh deep strategic uh deck building game that's um i might make some content for that uh at some point i'll play another stream game with rainier and put that up uh, so mm. yeah I, w- I would be happy to play a little bit of terra mystica as long as everyone knows that i'm not at the top of my game sure i might not win anymore but i will still have fun that's what matters we yeah we've been doing a little bit of streaming super nice so yeah maybe he'll um he'll he'll get you involved in that he he's sort of like yeah started doing some streaming hey ej here in the edit i'm here with my friend meowth the rest of this conversation with jordan for your information talks a lot about pokemon and not much about Terra Mystica. So if you're not a millennial, maybe you want to stop listening now. But, you know, it's good fun. So feel free to keep listening. Meowth, do you think they should keep listening? Oh, yeah, EJ, I think they really should keep listening. That's right. Oh, God. But yeah, and so that was going to be my next question: is you you're you're playing your your competitive Pokemon, which I'm just looking now. Oh, I love when people get. I love that people get really into stuff, and I love that you've got like analysis of individual Pokemon. I I haven't. I'm like, I'm a red, blue, yellow guy. You know, I haven't played since then. So yeah, I I, I ignored. Pokemon from when I went to college for a decade and then all of a sudden during the pandemic, you know, for you pandemic, you got into Terra Mystica for me, it was VGC, which is like the the doubles format of Pokemon. Um, What it also has that Terra Mystica has is asymmetry. Playing with certain roster of guys feels so different than it than than different than others. And so, uh, you know, you can just if you don't like what you're doing, just try something completely different next time. So ju- yeah, so just quickly, are you is that like Sword and Shield you're playing? So I'm playing on the online version because I don't want to play on the the console. So it's a lot faster, and you don't have to you don't have to grind. You, you know, you just make you make exactly what you want. You pick the items, you pick your stats, and then you just click go. Uh-huh. Um, and so all of the all of the, pa- the all of the things that make Pokemon like a kid's game in the real games. 
this has just been like all of the grinding and stuff has been taken out of it. And so now you can focus on every Pokemon has like a hundred different moves and, you know, like uh, 20 different items that it could viably run. And uh, I played the draft league format where you draft the rights to play 12 different Pokemon. And then you bring the ideal six against your op opponent's roster of 12. And you just, you try to figure out what they're doing. Like, oh, are they running an offensive version of this guy? Are they running a supportive version of this guy? And you try to figure out, um, what what game plan you you build a new team each week that tries to counter them that is mad right so okay I've it's fun it's something different there might not be any crossover between the vgc no, audience no. and the terramist audience but for me it's just my new, can, my new gaming obsession of the year i can see why i, I feel like i could talk to you about this a lot more because i'm now just looking and it seems mad is hey, it we can go past the recorded podcast portion we can keep i can tell you a little bit more because if you played if you we all played it as a kid so it, it's a just seeing it become this like adult friendly deep strategy game is it's just funny so all of the basically all of the over you're not doing any of the overwork you're not wandering around in wild grass no nope. looking for wild pokemon you set it's your team just... and you play best of three. Oh, and and is it, you know, I'm sure no one from the Nintendo is listening to this. Is it like legit or is it kind of another thing? Well, so Pokemon Showdown is the online battle simulator. That's been going on for, I don't know, at least eight years. Uh, and so at least the Pokemon company is OK with it existing. Like they they assume that it doesn't really hurt their sales, just like uh, Terra Mystica was OK with Terra.Snellman.net existing sure. because it usually leads to people buying the game or getting more engaged with the game. So it's like it's OK um, to have yes. a free version online. It, yeah. OK, so it's not officially run by Game Free. Yeah, but yeah, it, it sort of exists. Wow, I had no idea about that. how awesome. Um, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to watch some of these videos. I, I, <laughs> oh, I can't get into it though. I've, I'm too busy. <laughs> I would answer any questions about it. It's my, it's my latest gaming obsession. And, and when I was really into Terra Mystica, like, I, you know, checking in the morning, like within 15 minutes of when I woke up to see if I have any moves, um, that was, yeah, that was just part of me. I like really analyzing stuff. And have you, is there like, like, are you on, is there like four, I guess there's a forums and communities and, re and subreddits yep. and all for this yeah, kind of so stuff as well. The draft leagues are run out of Discord. Uh, Discord was something that I didn't even have downloaded two years ago. And then the pandemic happens and like half my interests are now on Discord. Cool. Cool. Um, oh, I love it. Okay. So yeah, so everyone can go and see the Jordan plays and watch some stuff about Please do. Please support local tiny content creators. I have, what, 36 subscribers, so I appreciate every single one at this point. Come on, let's, here we go. I've subscribed. Everyone, everyone subscribed. Oh, yay, I, thank you. As, as gratitude for all of his hard work in bringing us the Fjords map, definitely. Well, if, if, if like five people subscribed in the coming days i would know it's because of or like in in whenever this this episode released i'll know i'll have a tiny contingent of terra mystica people and then i'll be more interested in making a terra mystica stream someday yes. sometime soon we'll get him um and alongside that you so are, are you you're you said you're working on games game you, is this like just a little thing in the background is it is it yeah what's going on there I, I designed a, one game that I reached a, a point at which I was you know, printing versions on the GameCrafter.com. Uh, I brought it to Gen Con, the, the, the convention in, is it Minneapolis, in 2019. And that's where I met Frank and the, uh, the mm. Terra Mystica people. He said basically, uh, or I said, you don't have to pay me anything for this. It's fine. I just want to meet you somewhere. He said, well, come to Gen Con. And so I came to Gen Con and I brought my game and I just showed it to other game designers and got feedback on it. Um, the game, I think, is really fun and it shares what both VGC and Terra Mystica have, which is asymmetry. It's called Button Mashers. Uh, it's styled as like old school fighting games, but uh, you know, every character plays differently. You're drawing from a deck of cards that just say A, B, X, and Y. And so you, you make them into combinations of moves that kill the other guy. Um, but it, it's, a it's a game that I never really got 
to the point that I was like kickstartering it or like making a thousand units. There's 20 units floating around among family and friends. Um, but I'm happy with it. I think uh, I a lot of that design process was like how to make the game shorter and snappier and more friendly to different kinds of audiences. So it was just a really good experience. Um, and so now I'm I'm okay with it as it is, but I wanna I wanna have my next great game design be in the coming years. I'm just hoping that inspiration and motivation strikes at the right time. Ah, cool, man. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah. It's... So the short answer is no. I do not have a game design right now that I'm working on. You do have something. Up, you never know. Yeah, it's your your mind is ticking away on on stuff and ideas, no doubt. I think it's a natural progression from getting into a game and starting to analyze that game to starting to ask yourself, what if the game was like this? Or what is my favorite part about the game? And how do I take that part of the game and then add this part that I really like about another game? And how do I make it feel like that? Uh, Mm. So I think designing games and analyzing games and playing games are really not too far away from each other, at least for me. Did you ever play that, that Pokemon master trader master trainer board game <laughs> i've i don't i don't know what's that uh well basically it was board. basically i'm saying a good pokemon board game would be a good thing there was this there was a board game that i used to play as a kid but it was basically not very good oh i've seen i saw this th- i feel like this was like 15 years ago or something yeah, yeah long time yeah, ago this yeah. wasn't this game like super bad but great yeah. because it was Pokemon and we were all kids and we all like Pokemon. Uh, exactly. It's like it, 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 it was like dice thing. rolls or something like where it was the whole game, which made it in line with most board games before the Internet. Right. It was mostly just dice rolling. Exactly. Exactly. But it had the map and it had, and, and, you know, it's sort of like there are good ingredients there where you were like going around the map. I guess that's not what you do with the Pokemon stuff now, but you were going around the map and discovering Pokemon and then collecting them and battling them. And sort of all those ideas were good. And if they were done well, I feel like that would be a game that people would love, but it, it was just like not executed very well. But yeah, I played it a lot because you're a kid, but something like that could be. I, yeah. My very first game system was a Game Boy Color. My very first game for that was Pokemon Blue, which dates me, I guess. Um, But it's like you'll never tire of those formative gaming experience. If gamer is a part of your identity as an adult, then you're going to be fine with any repackaged version of your, you know, those original experiences of beating the the final boss, of building a team that crushes everything (laughs) in its path. Yeah, agree. Oh, did <laughs> I mean, this is like going well? Did you see the Twitch plays Pokemon thing in about? Oh, that was hilarious. I yeah, I was in college at that point, and uh, for a brief moment, everyone in college was playing paying attention to Pokemon. <laughs> like the like the the, the cafe yeah. would have the Twitch stream just up on its monitor, and people would be watching oh. it. It was really fun. That was one. Oh, it was the greatest thing. It was so good. I yeah, I was like writing. Like somebody made the Book of Helix, the Bible, and I, I like wrote a like a little, a little section of the Bible about like going around on one of the islands, and it got put up there. It was, it was so good. Oh. I just love the lore, like people making stories, sometimes out of yeah. like random events, and like yeah. uh, a lot of games can be random, but you can just come up with like a story that justify that explains why these random events happened, and 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 so like that's. People online creating things. That's yeah. that was something I will never tire of. Yeah, that yeah, that was good. That was good times. Yeah, just the sort of creativity and yeah, it's great. All right, it's been a joy. <sighs> yeah, thank you very much uh for talking. Um this was very enjoyable talking to you. Uh yeah, really good. Hopefully it becomes content. Hopefully it's not too meandery. It becomes yeah, good content. It's good. It is a podcast. It's yeah. It's meant to be a bit rambly. <laughs> That's the medium. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, you take care. You have a good night. I will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.